Rundown, part two, coming your way right now and covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Lynchburg Hillcats. With play-by-play broadcaster Jason Prill, who is back with us here in the fast lane. It's been up and down, we should say, for the Lynchburg Hillcats. They went 3-3 three and three on their most recent series against the Delmarva Shorebirds. Lots of pitchers' duels. Jason, is this a product of a lot of the better hitters being called up and therefore the offense is down across minor league baseball? Or is this a product of the pitchers finding their groove as they've been around a little bit longer and uh, have a better idea of how to attack batters? I think it's definitely a product of the pitchers getting a lot better as they are finally hitting their rhythm. We talked about it, I think, about two weeks ago before they headed out on their last road trip. They're starting to get comfortable on the mound. A lot of the college guys are starting to enter into minor league baseball. And so there is a strong push toward good pitching. Jason Pro, broadcaster, Lynchburg Hillcats, with us in the fast lane. Jason, Hillcats, they go to Fredericksburg this coming week, and then they wrap up with Kannapolis next week as the regular season comes to a close. But during this time frame, you get a chance to uh, assist with Liberty University as part of their studio host coverage for the upcoming football season. Have you seen the video out there about their new head coach, Jamie Caldwell? Excuse me, Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, you know, I have seen that uh, press conference from Bowling Green, and you just know Jamie Caldwell, sorry, Chadwell, will definitely be using that as a motivator for his players. Uh, Just knowing people in and around the program, they are definitely fired up and ready for game number one. Jason, oh, go ahead. Trey's got to interject for a second. I was going to say... He, that coach better call well on Saturday or he will not win. <laughs> yes! Oh, Trey, that hurt. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, Trey definitely did. Will that happen? Or are you are you concerned? Not long-term. I've said this before. I have, I have no problem believing that Jamie Chabell is the guy long-term. Are you optimistic it's going to be a fast start? Or do you expect there to be some growing pains and bumps along the way and you caution fans to maybe temper that optimism? I'm going to say yes and no. There's going to be some growing pains, but I think with the schedule that Liberty has built out for this season, it would be kind of bad if you didn't expect them to win. Now I'm not projecting a 45-10 to 10 blowout, but I do think that fans who are coming to Williams Stadium on uh, this Saturday should be able to expect this team to walk away pretty comfortably over Bowling Green and get off to a pretty fast start. Jason Prill, Jazz Prill 19 is where you can keep up with him. Lynchburg Hillcats broadcaster, and yes, maybe a foreshadowing of his transition to the Liberty Flames booth as well, or studio to be more precise. Jason, it's a studio. It, it is, it is, it is. But, you know, I was using booth as a general colloquial term. Please forgive us, Jason, but we appreciate your time anyway in the fast lane. You'll always get my forgiveness, Ed. Thank you. Good to hear. Somebody is willing to do that for us. Now to NASCAR. With Anna Adam, not Andy, Adam Cheek, frontstretch.com at Adam in, as in no. Adam in Cheek with us here in the fast lane. Adam, a pleasure to be speaking with you. It's probably not for no, because I don't think you tell everyone no. Thankfully, you did not tell us no to our request to chat with you today. NASCAR at Daytona. The results of how this turned into the playoff bid. Chris Buescher's win means Bubba Wallace goes, Chase Elliott, Ty Gibbs, 
Daniel Suarez and others are all left on the outside of the playoff bubble looking in. How much of this was really sewn up, not based on the end of the race at Daytona, but everything that led up to this race itself? I think it was on. Well, okay. First off, Ed, thanks for having me on. And it is definitely not no. I would never say no to you guys. <laughs> but no, Warms I think it was Daytona was just such a interesting culmination of all this because you had Chase and he was in it until the very end. But I was kind. Of, I think he missed his last window with Watkins Glen. I didn't think there was a shot he was going to get in. Bubba runs well enough at Daytona to where I was pretty confident that he had that spot locked up, barring a crash. His main competition in terms of points, Ty Gibbs was eliminated in that really bad crash with Ryan Blaney. Uh, We thought that was bad. What came later on was even worse. But I think it was Daytona was just showing how all of that can come down to the wire. And it doesn't have to be a wreck fest like last year for it to come down to Austin Dillon, you know, emerging from that rain-induced wreck and winning last year to lock himself in. It can be a more tighter points battle where Chase is in the mix at the end there. But Bubba gets in regardless if he still holds on. Yeah, I mean, that that's the big part of this is because of the wrecks, it changed the complexion of this race even yeah. further. Um, Bubba gets in. When you heard them at him afterwards, and obviously the audio is up at FrenchStretch.com and Dalton Hopkins Race Recap, and the link is up there as well. When you heard mm-hmm. Bubba Wallace, did you get the sense of relief more than anything? I think so. Yeah, he's notoriously very hard on himself. And I think uh, I think it was after Watkins Glen the previous week where he was just like, you know, just happy the way we ran. You know, he's been down on himself. And I think the fact that he was able to secure that spot in the playoffs just by holding on. He didn't have to win. He just had to run really well and hope someone else didn't win. Uh, but RFK made sure that they were out front at the end. Uh, I know that he told us at Richmond uh, a few weeks ago when Busher won, that Brad was just like, we want this team winning every single week. And that ended up contributing to Bubba getting into the playoffs. I, I don't know if I attribute it entirely to relief, but I'd say that's a huge part of it because he certainly had an up-and-down year. I mean, he won at Kansas in the fall last year. They could lock themselves into the next round with a win in this first round. So I wouldn't put it past them to get a win, but I think they're just happy to make the playoffs. Adam, do you have a championship final four figured out yet as your frontstretch.com colleagues are putting theirs together for our own Trey Lyle to post at some point later this week? I have. I I have thought about this a lot, and I have debated with myself a lot. Uh, And I think... You know, I was debating between a lot of guys. I got to go Martin Truex Jr. I got to go William Byron. Those two have been the strongest all season long. Those are pretty easy picks for me. And then the other two, Kyle Busch, I'm going with him. I've been, I, that A team has been very scary since the season first started. Uh, they almost won, I think, like four events in a row, including like the duels in the class where they both ran well at. Uh, but they nearly won Daytona and then they won Fontana. Uh, but I'm going to go Truex, Byron, Kyle Busch. And my fourth championship contender, I wavered a lot on this. I want to say Kevin Harvick maybe finds a way to walk it off somehow, but I think I'm going to have to go with Denny Hamlin. My alternate, Chris Buescher, there's so much confidence in that team right now. I don't think he quite makes it in, not just yet, but his consistency is going to have him in the round of eight. Denny Hamlin's going to make the championship four. There it is, and who wins it? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Truex. I think Truex gets one more title before he walks off into the sunset. Denny Hamlin is going to be a second. I think it's going to be a Gibbs title. 
That would be cool. Martin Truex Jr. And maybe he does reverse course and actually retire. And maybe there's some secret deal we find out was in place all along. <laughs> there's no secret. The insight is great from Adam Cheek of FrenchStretch.com at Adam in Cheek on Twitter and Instagram. Adam, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll keep it locked to the French Stretch Stock Car Scoop podcast to recap the Southern 500, which will uh, the podcast will drop Sunday night, Monday morning after Darlington, weather permitting, wraps up on time. Ed, thanks so much for having me on, as always. I won't be in Darlington, but I will be at Bristol a little bit later this year. Glad to see Ryan Priest is okay. And Daytona on Sun- on Saturday was an instant classic. I had a blast watching it. It was wonderful. The race was, other than the scary finish for Ryan Priest. And yes, he seems to be fine. In fact, he might still end up racing this weekend. Speaking of on time, or maybe not, we are not on time ending our show because we have great insight coming on W226BG Timberlake, WVGMAM Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, or maybe least, that professional football team in Landover, Maryland, or is it Ashburn, Virginia? Candy Waller, Seawall Sports and Entertainment, with us in the fast lane. Seawall, starting micro and then going macro. Roster cutdown is approaching. Some players have already been released by the Commanders, but they've still got a couple more days left before they have to officially get down to the 53-man roster, at least the initial version, before they maybe claim players off of waivers and uh, get that all sorted out, which means it's not really even done tomorrow or Wednesday. It may be a couple days after that. Any surprises coming in this department, or from what you've seen and what you expect, this will be more as expected of a cutdown? I think it's more as expected. I think there's still some questions around um, which wide receivers they end up um, picking, how they go about with the linebacker position, are they going four or five? I think it's some of those position groups that always um, kind of relies on special teams, which players also will have an impact on the special teams unit as well. So the initial cut of the 53 needs to be done by Tuesday, 4 p.m. But as you mentioned, there'll be waiver pickups, this, you know, all kinds of shifting around for a multitude of teams. So while it's an emotionally grueling week for the players and and the teams that they have to let uh, folks go, it's still kind of like an exciting time to see what, what truly happens and how these rosters shake out. Certainly it's exciting for the fans. One certainty is Sam Howell, the starting quarterback, but now, there's conversation out there from Ron Rivera, I'm going to paraphrase him, that if he knew Sam Howell was this talented, he would have played him a little bit earlier last year. Does that just stoke the fire of people that are skeptical that Ron Rivera is, in fact, the best long-term answer as the head coach for this franchise? I mean, it absolutely does. I mean, this is one of the things that I had discussed last year on my show a multitude of times, in that... Um, you know, the the battle between, you know, Carson, was it Carson Wentz or was it Taylor? How Just how bad did Ron Rivera want to prove that he was right about Carson Wentz and that Carson could have a really, really good year? Um, it, it's, it's kind of like gut-wrenching, right? Because we could have started this experiment a long time ago, <laughs> but we didn't. And, and, and that's where we are here. But it always kind of gives you that moment to reflect that, wow, you know, Ron really wanted Carson Wentz to work out. And in the end, it kind of bit them in the butt because we ended up with Sam Howell at QB1 anyway. Yeah, I mean, you get there, but it wasn't as timely of a manner. And maybe you have even more data to go into it on this upcoming season for the Commanders. Um, last one for you, Candy, and we appreciate your time in the fast lane. Do you feel better about offensive line after the disastrous first preseason game against Cleveland, or is that just going to be a giant question mark even leading up to the opener against Arizona in a little under two weeks? 
I think it's still a question mark, but to your initial question of do I feel better? Yes, I feel better. I think there's been progress made, but this is not, it's, it's not still as stout of an offensive line as I would like to see, especially from that left guard position um, in specifically. So that's what I'll continue to watch. But I think fans and media alike should just feel good about the progress that has been made. Definitely a different look position group from preseason game one to preseason game two for certain. You know, preseason game three, only a couple of starters played one series. But progress is what you want to see, and progress is what they've shown. So hopefully they continue to do that, barring any injuries, and things will get better. Seawall, thank you for your time and insight. Next week is a game week, and we look forward to chatting with you, but maybe on Tuesday if that's okay with you. Yep, Tuesday works just fine. I'll talk to you guys again then. Candy Waller, Seawall Sports and Entertainment with us here in the Fast Lane. Belated, but we still get a moment to go live to Trey's friends on the Zach Elb Show.